welcome back to another episode of the DS30 podcast. My name is Ana Hochevar, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Zach Glassman. Uh, he works as a data scientist, and today we are going to talk about data pipelines, um, everything in terms of uh, operational stability of data pipelines, dealing with the complexity of data, and then also a little bit about how can we make outputs of data science projects useful to as many people as possible. So let's jump right in. Hello, Zach. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm so excited to have you uh, talking to us today. Um, I know you kind of well, I guess, but it would be nice if we sort of introduce you a little bit to our viewers. So do you want to tell us just a little bit about uh, your background and uh, how you got into data science? Uh, sure. So I I started off, I guess, uh, working as a well, trying to be an academic, I guess, as an atomic physicist. Um, I sort of learned along the way that I didn't, I wasn't um, so enamored, I guess, with the physics part of it, but I, I really liked the data and the computers part of it. So I uh, sort of decided to switch into data science. Um, I did the data incubator fellowship and then eventually wound up uh, working there for, for a while as well. Um, and then subsequently um, moved to where I am today where I work as sort of a data scientist or you might call ML engineer um, at a large um, asset manager. Awesome. Um, so today we uh, thought we'd talk about uh, data pipelines in particular uh, or for most of our uh, time we have together. Um, maybe before we dive in with all the things that can go wrong with data pipelines, all the things that you've been thinking about and all the kind of obstacles that are on the way and things that um, are necessary to do to sort of have good data pipelines, I guess. Uh, let's maybe first just define when, when we talk about data pipelines, what do you mean? What does that mean to you? And what does a data pipeline do? And um, sort of let's introduce our main uh, topic first. Yeah. So when when I think about data pipelines, right, you you obviously should think about the purpose. And I think it's, we, let's start with like a, an example. So let's say that I'm, you know, working in a business and I want to generate like a dashboard. So like a plot of something or a set of plots of something. Um, oftentimes it's the case that in order to make that plot, I have to get data um, from different places within my organization or even perhaps um, from outside of my organization. And it is also often the case, unfortunately, maybe or fortunately, that um, this data is, is, can be a little bit messy and you may have to do some sort of transformation in order to make the data set sort of relevant for that plot or maybe to enrich it in some way. So data pipelines are really any sort of operation that is moving or transforming or enriching data from any system to any system. Great. So uh, when you think about data pipelines, are there kind of the main, any kind of main pillars of the things you need to have set up for the system to work well, sort of? Are there like big um, things that could go wrong or um, anything that are, yeah, just kind of pillars of a good data pipeline? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think anything can go wrong, which is which is kind of the challenge. But I think the you know I would say the biggest things are um, the biggest thing is is you 
you want to be very uh, careful to understand when things go wrong. And, and that can be a little bit tricky. Um, I'll give you kind of an example. So like, let's say that you have a, a data pipeline that's, that's running every day, right? And the data pipeline runs a query on like your source system and it, um, and it like pushes data into another system. Now, you may say, well, the thing runs as long as the query runs. And that's kind of one way of defining that it's working. Apologize for that, my cat is knocking things off tables. But um, another, another way that it could go wrong is if you, if you find that you know, one day your query doesn't return any data and maybe your process doesn't fail, but if you're not measuring, say the number of records that you're getting a day, right? you could also argue that your data pipeline is failing. And so I think it's it's a challenge because you have to switch from defining your success in terms of kind of like operational, did the program run, into discrete business metrics that are actually relevant to what you're trying to do. And it's often the case that defining those can be tricky. And um, but those are that that's kind of the general thing you think about when you're implementing. Mm -hmm. So when you need to um, say no when it failed. Right. Um, um, do you have any sort of an example or any suggestions of how you can do that well? Right. Or you mentioned basically that it can be difficult to know that. Right. You can have a process where you can say, well, that failed or no, actually, it's correct that it didn't return anything or whatever. So um, maybe an example of, of when it's tricky to know when it failed and how you kind of go about tackling that. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. So, so the, I would say that the trickiest thing, the, the trickiest way uh, to know that it's failing is when it's, 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 it sort of seems like it's working from an operational perspective, but it's producing, you know, bad quality data. So I think the, the really key thing is to measure is within your data pipelines to measure the quality of your data. So a really simple example would be like, if I have a, a data set that has a column that's like a that's like a really important identifier of that data set or like what you might call a primary key you know i might want to do a check to make sure that that isn't null um, i might want to do a check that says that the number of records i get every day is roughly consistent right because in certain cases i might expect that so these kind of checks right um, are good to perform and then you know typically you might set up some sort of system that if the check fails might send you like a Slack message or an email message or um, maybe alert some other team who needs to be involved. But having this kind of like measurement and then alerting uh, is, is really important. And obviously as like a data scientist, this sort of measurement and stuff is, is kind of typically what we would do on a data set anyway. So it's just kind of taking that and putting it into the you know, automated pipeline. Mm -hmm. Great. And how much does that in your opinion, or also in your experience, happen um, sort of as the pipeline matures, and how much can it happen ahead of time? Right? How how much can you get ready for all all of such um, cases and all such checks uh, as the pipeline is being set up first? And how much is that just a continuous process that you always have to keep doing? I think it's it's sort of a two-part thing. You 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 can set up the processes that enable this like ahead of time, right? So you can you can say that I'm going to have, you know, if you if you think about like a a um, 
like a, a data pipeline as like a function, right? You might, you can sort of write out a structure that says, okay, my data pipeline is going to extract data. It's going to transform data. It's going to perform data quality and then it's gonna load it somewhere. So you, you can kind of build those hooks and you can build like, this is how it's going to alert. But then when it comes to actually, you know, defining these, these things that make it successful, uh, that's kind of a continuous process because it depends on the usage sort of of the, of the data. And it may be the case that what's important to one consumer is not so important to another consumer. It's like, you know, you may have a case where you have a data set with a hundred columns and, you know, one person only uses 10 of them and they don't care about the others. And then suddenly, you know, some other person says, well, I really want to use this data too. And I want to use the other 90 columns. So now you have to care about those. So I think it's a continuous evolution, but you have to have a good foundation that enables you to easily iterate. Mm -hmm. And would you say there's any kind of big difference between a pipeline that is built for, say, delivering data for a dashboard versus uh, data that will go into a machine learning model versus, I don't know, something else? Are there any fundamental differences there or not so much? Um, I would say the only, so when, so when you're talking, are you talking it depends if it's a model training or a model inference pipeline. Um, generally speaking for reporting, and this isn't always the case, but oftentimes with dashboards, right? You're looking at kind of maybe a latest snapshot of the data, right? Or you're looking at like a Tableau report that's like, as of today, this is what my, this is what my, you know, whatever plot I care about looks like. Um, for ML pipelines, I would say most of the things remain the same, um, but the thing that you really want to be able to do with ML pipelines is to be able to kind of refresh the state. So like if I'm training a model and um, my, I want to be able to sort of reconstruct what my data was at the time I was training my model. And so if you're not careful with your data pipelines, um, you can get yourself into a state where you don't actually have that data available at a later point in time. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so in terms of, um, we chatted a little bit before we um, started recording our podcast and you also mentioned sort of the dealing with the complexity of, of data in data pipelines. Do you wanna talk a little bit more about that? What are you thinking about in that sense? Yeah, so, uh, data data is often often complex and i think one of the there's a few there's there's like two types of complexity that i think about one is like what i would consider inherent complexity which i'll get to in a sec but the other is complexity that comes from uh the state of the data so that that's things like you know oftentimes you'll you'll be working with data that has column names that you don't really know what they mean and maybe they're not documented anywhere and like, it shouldn't be this way, but sometimes it is this way. Um, and so uh, the data might be complex because you have only a little bit of an understanding of the kind of full uh, characteristics of the data. So that's kind of your, I would say non-inherent complexity. And, and that just, is just a practical reality that that can happen. Um, I would say more typically what, what winds up happening is that if you're, if you're not maintaining really good metadata about your data, um, you might have a case where someone will like create some table that's specialized for a purpose that they care about. 
And if you don't know what that purpose was, like um, for example, maybe they filtered out some type of record um, in order to generate that table. And if you don't know that they did that filtering, um, if you're assuming that all the records are there, you could really mess up in a downstream pipeline. So that's kind of your complexity that's not related to the data itself, but related to like operations and 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 maybe um, uh, not having good metadata sometimes. Um, and then the other thing is that there are many times where the data itself is complicated. Um, maybe it's low quality data and that will complicate it. That can definitely happen. Um, data will often have mistakes in it, right? And so that can, you know, you may have a case where you're assuming that there's like a one-to-one -one mapping between two different data sets, but because one data set um, doesn't actually, uh, has like a duplicate record or something that you don't expect, it, it causes an issue. Um, and then the other thing is that, especially with these automated feeds, like you're never really sure about what you're gonna get. And um, there's people will, you know, change schemas, they'll they'll change assumptions about the data, and you need to be able to kind of quickly react to that um, if you can't sort of work around it in the first place. So those are all different ways it can it can be complicated. Sounds like a nightmare indeed, uh, but also just like that's the real world, right? Um, the first thing that comes to mind uh, to me when you when you're saying that is just how it relates back to the. Uh, operational stability of things and just integrity of your of your data coming out and what you what we were just talking about before right just makes everything we were saying before much that, that much more difficult I guess if um, yeah you have all this inherent complexity but then also just externally maybe you don't even know what some column means and therefore what it should be and what should be happening with it right yeah no it's 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 a little rough I actually I've gotten to the point where I kind of, I, I, I almost operate on like a first failure, like a fast to fail principle where like, I'd rather, I'd rather things just fail quickly and then we can go fix them than to try and, and like handle every single case um, in the pipeline itself, which is just gets really nasty. Mm -hmm. So yeah, um, I was just going to ask that. So how do you uh, yeah. try to do this? Is there any approach or any tip or anything that you've tried and failed at or tried and found that kind of an approach that works or makes makes sense? Um, I mean, one thing is, you know, one thing that that's good is is to have, as I said, like a good generic framework for doing things, because oftentimes, you know, if you're building one data, if you, if you only ever have to build one data pipeline, um, I guess congratulations, but also that's kind of unrealistic. Usually you have to build many. And oftentimes the same types of problems occur. So if you're if you're building things in kind of a generic way, you, you might be able to solve um, you know, some of these problems once and then have them be sort of percolated, which is good. Um, I think again, right, the biggest thing you can do is really measure everything. So measure, measure your data, profile your data like every time that you load. And you know, for for oftentimes it's it's looking at those profiles that can give you a lot of insights into what's going on. So for example, right, let's say you have a column of a data set you're loading that's kind of low cardinality, right? So it, it's like a the, the set of things that can be is kind of small. Um, one common way to do a data profile would be to say, what are the distinct elements in this in this data set? And so if one day you notice that there's an extra type of element that's been added, 
that's a good hint that you might want to think about, ooh, it's not going to affect anything. So I think the profiling and the measurement, I mean, I guess I guess I used to be a scientist, so maybe measure is, is a cliche thing for scientists, but I think it really is the best way to solve these problems. Mm-hmm. I guess a word that comes to my mind is also kind of simulating, um, but maybe that's not what you're doing. But I'm thinking kind of where you you could uh, simulate different queries or different um, um, things that that I guess could happen before they happen. Or do you have the luxury of just kind of uh, rolling it out? We have this pipeline, then as we're using it, as you say said before, we are letting it fail and we learn from that basically, right? What the complexity might be or what the uh, some inst- non-stable operation we might have there is 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 in our pipeline or something like that. I guess I guess we, we don't just uh, or at least I, I try not to just um, deploy things that I, I I know will fail. So so usually um, you know there will be like like data pipelines at the end of the day are just software. So you of course will want to have like tests and you'll want to test for everything that, that you can think of. Um, so so that's like usually um, uh, something so that's definitely something that you try to do ahead of time and you know that's sort of like a simulation um, so you you can you know you might prepare a set of like mock data and then make or, or many sets of mock data and make sure that it does what you want it to do um, I think in my experience though while that is really really valuable and you absolutely should do it um, you, you you will still oftentimes have weird cases um, and remember, sometimes these weird cases are from things completely unrelated to the data, right? Like maybe uh, there's an extra load on your system and you run out of memory. Like there's a lot of crazy stuff that can happen. So um, I think you you should sort of prepare as best as you can, but also accept that you need to have really good observability there for when it inevitably doesn't work. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I'm looking at the time and we do have enough time to at least mention um, the other topic that you and I briefly chatted about. Um, and I think it's a very um, important one, but also interesting one. So I think uh, maybe I do want to pick your brain about that a little bit as well. Um, you mentioned that you're also very interested in, on the one hand, thinking a lot about data pipelines lately, um, but also um sort of a second different uh, topic in data science that's also very important, I think, um, which is making the outputs and whatever things that the data scientists, data scientists produce um, make useful for everyone who's maybe not a data scientist, right? Anyone who knows nothing about data science, know nothing's about, knows nothing about modeling, machine learning or anything like that, but could really make good use of what data scientists can produce and come up with. Um, so, um, I just basically wanted to kind of know what you were thinking about in, 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 on that uh, front. And um, is there any kind of um, types of outputs that you think um, are particularly useful to many people or to, to people who might not be technical or data scientists? Um, is there a particular, I don't know, way to make um, things that are typically not useful uh, to everyone, to make it useful to everyone? kind of all of that. Now I threw five questions at you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think the thing to remember is that like often, it, this isn't always the case, but like typically what you're producing as a data scientist isn't a model, right? A model is just a means to an end. You're trying to produce some insight, right? Or drive some business value from a model. There are some companies that sell models. So I guess in that case, 
their their set you know their 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 model is their output but for typically for most of us um you know it's it's really about aligning the output of your model um to the task at hand and in in my experience um what that often is really means is you you really need to understand whoever you're working with to build the model or maybe building the model for you have to really understand their process and like what they're trying to accomplish and then you have to try to integrate your results like into their process as, as best as possible. And um, oftentimes this is through some sort of like presentation layer or a dashboard. Um, so I think sometimes we, um, you know, sometimes as data scientists, right, we get very consumed by, okay, what's the latest and greatest like, uh, you know, NLP model and, and, and can I squeeze an extra, you know, 0.2% out of this when, when really the the challenge we have to actually, you know, driving value is how do I take this NLP model and actually make it useful to someone who doesn't necessarily know about you know NLP or maybe doesn't even know what NLP stands for. Yeah. Um, and it, it's almost like product management, right? It's it's really like thinking about who's my user group, what are they looking for, and oftentimes simple dashboards or really simple ways of displaying, you know, sometimes complex information is is the most digestible form yeah yeah and also i would add maybe um i see a lot of communication is being very important there right in whatever way who communicates with who but where the information comes um from the end user or from i don't know the sales team or the whatever team or whoever will be the one using your product uh to the data scientists right to understand what do we need should there be a button or not do you need this or is this like you know, wasted time for us to, yeah, improve that, that NLP model by, by a little tweak when that's not the part we care about or that we're going to be using, right? No, that's absolutely true. And it kind of starts at the beginning, right? I mean, at least in my experience, it's rare that like someone will approach you and especially someone who's non-technical and be like, I want you to train a BERT model on this, right? They're, they're going to say something more like, hey, like, this is like something I've been wrestling with. And like, I maybe think that there's something like data science that could be done, but they're not going to like, they're not, they're not going to like give you a you know, clear set of instructions on what to do. And so communicating with them about what they're trying to do, what they're achieving, right, actually has to start at the beginning. Um, and, and that's when you should start working out, well, how do you actually want to consume this at the end of the day? And then what are you trying to do? And I think, um, you know, a mistake that I've certainly made, right, is to jump right into it to say, okay, I understand, let me go, you know, mess around in Python for, for a while, and then I'll surface and, and, and tell you what I did. Um, and, and people, I think, want to be involved in the process, and they want definitely want more communication, you know, at the beginning. Yeah, makes sense. Um, does it happen, or has it happened in your experience that you also, as a data scientist, um, is not only that you should listen in terms of in that communications and what they might need and what they're asking for, uh, but maybe also listen in the sense of so that you recognize possible options for a product or a solution when they wouldn't necessarily even approach you, right? To be like, I need something that is going to automate this and that, but where you maybe um, see some opportunities and, and things that a data scientist could possibly solve or come up with a product that would solve it for them without them necessarily kind of recognizing you could solve my problem. Does that happen? Uh, yeah, it, it, it can happen. Um, but I think, um, 
You know, I think as, as, I mean, I think anyone that works professionally, but especially data science, I think you do have to have a sense of humility right around your expertise and your subject area. I think that the trend that I'm seeing right now is a lot of, I see a lot of things online that are basically saying things like, oh, well, you know, data scientists, they train AI models, they can work in any industry, they can do anything, and they don't need to know anything about the industry. And I think that's like partially true, but you also have to be humble enough to to really understand that the people you're working with have a very deep expertise in, in what they do and in their industry in particular. And I think before you, before you come up with any great ideas, you wanna make sure you spend a good amount of time learning from people and really understanding what they're doing and what they're trying to do. And then I think you, know, you, you should maybe propose ideas. I think sometimes if you go in a little too early, you, know, you may not have necessarily appreciated the complexities yet and a lot of problems you know seem relatively simple on the surface but you know as you get into the details get more complicated so i think you can absolutely do it but you should make sure to you know spend a lot of time listening before you speak absolutely i think this is um, such an important tip and also you put it so well and we're out of time that this is just a kind of like a perfect way i think um, um to end our conversation um i couldn't agree with you more um definitely yeah domain knowledge being important and i would say even just in general in life you know if other people um um know ha have their own experiences and also uh, i know a lot and in particular if you're um around people who might know more about than you in a certain uh domain or um, something definitely good to listen just in general good to listen i think um zach thank you so much um, for joining me today and chatting with me. Um, it was great to pick your brain. I wish we had more time, uh, but maybe you can come back one day and we could talk more. Yeah, thanks, Anna. I appreciate it.